Well, hey, everyone, we're so glad that you can join us for this. This is an episode of Real Talk with Real Leaders, and today I'm on this Zoom chat with John Morgan. John Morgan is an itinerant. He speaks all around the world. Uh, we've been fortunate enough to have him here in Philadelphia, and he was such a blessing right away. He's just a leadership guru. He just knows a lot of things about a lot of things. And he's been touching base with so many different leaders. I thought it would just add so much value if you were able to hear him today. Uh, just ask him some questions and let him loose. So good to see you, John. Good to see you, Jamie. Always good to be with you. Yeah, man. So we were on a Zoom chat not too long ago. I'm so glad you gave me access to just being with that uh, on that Zoom chat with your pastor. And you were asking him some questions, and it was some great questions. We got to listen in. But now it's time to kind of turn that, and I'm going to be asking you more of the questions instead of you be the interviewer. And uh, so I just want uh, to ask you this first question, and that is, like, what have you been noticing to how leaders were reacting when this quarantine stuff started all started and when it started happening and i'm sure there's a variety of different responses so i'm interested in the spectrum of different ways that you notice leaders were reacting yeah great question well the um to clarify you're talking about leading up to the quarantine and then going in or just specifically quarantine when when it kind of happened where now church and all that dynamic change where they can no longer meet together. And so now the social distancing groups couldn't gather larger than a certain amount. And so that's when I think uh, we would see the most reaction out of leaders based on how that would affect their services and things like that. Yeah, um, a couple of responses. So I think as we started to become aware that this was the potential, I think there were many people who were um, in their head trying to work. And I know I did this with leaders. So for instance, uh, it was a church of 600 people. And I think the numbers went down to, you couldn't gather more than, I want to say it was like 150. Right. So that was like, well, that's a no brainer. Let's just have five services, you know, have 150 people in a room, allow a, a turnover so you can clean the room out. And you can still run church and still do, you know, five or six services on a Sunday instead of one. And so no, no big deal. I think that was like on the Monday. Mm -hmm. Then as the week progressed and the news and media and understanding how contagious this thing was, and then just social pressure, not even government pressure, just social pressure of people like, you know, should we meet? Some leaders were making really rapid changes on that. Right. So they went from Monday to we can have five services to Wednesday. Well, maybe we should have five, but maybe we should do online to Friday. It's we're all online. Let's just go online. Let's just, you know, let's just gather, not gather. Let's just gather online. Um, and so I think it depended on how that, uh, stay, uh, stay in place, you know, shelter in place, lockdown, whatever. I think it depends on how that was implemented in, the community right because it went from you know well, 150 down to 50 down to 10 down to don't move and so i think most people were responding to a little bit of that some guys went into <clears throat> broadcasting very quickly mm -hmm. others uh took it a, a little slower i know in australia i have friends of mine over there and you could just see them they just their attendances per service got less and less and less 
And some of them were just like, we're just going to do this anyway. We're going to meet anyway. We have a right to assemble. No one can shut us down. We are the church. We're in faith. I think there were some people in that mode. I don't have too many of my friends that were in that mode. I, I, I had, know some people I know that were in that, but not too many people <clears throat> that I was in relationship with. Um, because I thought, I think that most people saw the, the lack of wisdom in that. But it did, it, did, it did create a bit of an us and them mentality, you know, hmm. online. I had a, a friend of mine uh, in Calgary, and they're probably running, you know, close to 2,000 people. And so we talked, you know, what should he do? And I was like, man, I just go online. You know, at that point there, they didn't have a shelter in place. They had, I think they could have up to 150 people. So he was toying with the idea of whether to do services or not. Hmm. And, you know, and I was like, man, you only need to get hold those services and have a few people get infected from service. Hmm. And you've opened up a can of worms for, you know, yourself and for the families affected by that. Mm -hmm. right. So it just seemed like it was um, more wisdom to not have church and to go online rather than, than fear. It was never about fear. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given us a spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind. So out of a love for our community, out of a love for our congregation, out of a love for our city, we don't want people to get, get sick. Right. You know, so he's given us love. He's given us power. He's given us spiritual power. So we're going to believe that the spiritual power of God can still work in an environment online like it can, you know, in person. And he gave us a sound mind. He gave us the ability to make wise decisions. So a lot of guys moved quickly. I think there was a hesitation at the front. I think once I started seeing the potential numbers of what could happen, uh, I think people moved very, very quickly and, and uh, probably spent about two weeks on average church scrambling right. for, an, for an online presence. <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then saying, okay, how do we, how do we uh, now do ministry? Not about just how do we do a service, but how do we actually do ministry in this new environment? Well, that's the next question I had for you. Are there any brilliant new ideas that you're aware of as you've been talking to people or watching what they've done that has um, emerged as a result of how now they're able to reach their church and the community as well? What kind of, what kind of things did you notice? I don't know if anybody's done uh, a new idea. They've probably just done an old idea that they should have been doing anyway, digitally. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I think the church, uh, church has become, or the church that I'm working with have become very efficient and very good at pastoral care. And it probably exposed a weakness in their pastoral care um, systems prior to, you know, the, the challenge that we're facing now. And so, you know, uh, I had a friend of mine who's got a church of 7,000 uh, 7, and they had 33,000 people on their database. And as a leadership team, they, they called every one of those 33,000 people personally wow. to see how everyone was doing. And so they moved into this like ultra, you know, partial care model of we, we need to call, we need to connect. And so, you know, they did some training on what, how to make a phone call. They did some, uh, uh, a script, what to read, uh, what questions to ask, and then some good uh, data gathering 
this is a family, here are their responses, these are their needs, you know, how do we need to respond? So I think churches became a, a lot better at, at that. And if, you're, if there's churches watching this uh, time that we've got together today, <clears throat> what you need to think about as far as pastoral care goes is that any time of a crisis, um, there's an, an initial pulling in of everybody. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is everyone focuses on that. It almost like a false positive. There's a pulling in. And then if you don't deal with everybody, then the extremities of the church will drop away. So, so the best way to think about it is um, take out the, the coronavirus, but that's a, that's a, a, a good example of what's happened. Or mm-hmm. say a pastor commits immorality, the pastor dies. Um, uh, I, I work with a church once where the pastor got a brain issue and was in a coma for four weeks. So it's crisis. Boom. The rock hits the pond. Mm-hmm. Rock hits the pond and the water all around the rock gathers up. And you'll hear people saying things like, man, it's never been this good. Our unity's better than ever. Our giving's doing great. Man, people are plugged in. You know, this doesn't seem to have affected us at all. Wow. Pretty much every situation that I mentioned that I've dealt with over 30 years of ministry, that's the initial response. Mm-hmm. People are plugged in. There's a greater unity here. You know, I remember calling a church in New Zealand. This is probably 25 years ago. Their pastor had committed immorality, was, you know, uh, kicked out of the church. New guy took over. I was following him up and he's like, man, it's never been as good. Everybody, everybody's on board. You know, our services are bigger than ever. I was like, dude, that's a false, that's a false positive. Because mm. everyone gathers in. And what happens is, because you don't move your care to the edges, the ripple effect goes out. And there's people being impacted right out on the edges and where does it stop rippling first it stops out here Uh right and so so the ripple stops out here and if these people aren't met or 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 counseled or ministered to they they just they actually fall away wow and you start losing people on the edges and most of the time because you're so focused on here you don't notice you've lost anything out here until it's really close to the center so would you say that when we normally are operating, that we are, we are sort of sensitive to what's in the edges, but then when the crisis comes, we're sensitive to what's closer to the core? No, I think when we're, we're normally operating, we, we probably don't care for people enough anyway. <laughs> okay. I, I, don't well, think so- that we, I don't think we communicate or connect with the broad base. You know, I, I know churches that all, um, clear their database out every every four or five months because they want to make sure they have accurate numbers on the database. I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, it's not a number, it's a person. You know, mm-hmm. and even though that person may have not been there for five months, just connect with them every every three or four months. Right. Like I think the church is the only organization on the planet where don't where they don't think that names, addresses, phone numbers are gold. Right. Yeah. Facebook ever- Facebook makes its money out of your information. Right. Instagram, they're not they don't have a Facebook's not out there for a love of connecting people. Right. They, they, they like to sell information and we have all this information to connect with people. And we don't, I don't think we mobilize uh, people enough. And what happens when the crisis hits, we tend to just do what we've always been doing, hmm. which is minister to the core. Wow. You know? So what do you, what do you say we do then as, as we're being brought together and there are some, 
unifying things that are taking place, but what do we start doing now so that it's sustained long after this crisis kind of disappears? Yeah. So you, you know, when it, when it gathers in, that's, it's good, but you can't relax. Right. You don't want to be like, man, it's all good. Our offerings are good. Our numbers are good. You know, people are watching more people watching online than ever before. And then you just get into a relaxed state. Like you can just coast. Now in those stages, you got to realize this is an emergency. This is my, my lead. And so then you need to be, okay. Um, let's just say you've got a thousand people in your church and a thousand people in that database names and numbers rather than saying, okay, uh, Jamie, you're going to ring 20, John, you're going to ring 20, you know, Harry, you're going to ring 20. And then I say to you, which happens all the time, how's your pastoral care going? You go, man, it's great. We've dispersed our, our, uh, and this happened to me just the other day, actually. We've, we've dispersed it out. Jamie's got 20 and John's got 20 and Harry's got 20 and Mary's got 20 and, um, and we're all making calls. And so then you ask the next question, which is, so how many calls did Jamie make? If you can't answer that question, how many calls did John make? And when John made those calls, how many people did he talk to? And what were the responses? What were the needs that came out of that conversation? Mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's the, that's the kingpin there. Not me giving you 20 names to call. Right. Because inevitably, and this has happened prior to the crisis, you know, I'll go to you. Hey man, how'd you go with your calls? Oh bro. Just, man, it's just, such a tough week, you know, man, I had no time and I didn't get any of my calls in. And, and, and that's where measuring comes in. Cause then, you know, okay, I distributed a hundred calls and 10 were made. Right. So in this time, in the, in the, that huddle in the crisis, you want to make sure you're measuring everything. Right. You want to have a report on everything. You want to measure everything. You want to manage everything. It's a little bit like, um, you know, they say, you know, if, if it's not on Instagram, it probably didn't happen. Hmm. So take, take the photo and post it. So everyone knows what happened. Yeah. I'd say the same with, with measuring. Hmm. If I give you 20 phone calls or 10 people, I want you to contact. And unless I have that on paper as a report, I have to presume it never happened. Oh, that's, that's good. And you know, you, it's not just the task fulfilling the task. According to what I hear you saying, it's actually what's the outcome and the outcome is like you could have fulfilled the task by making those 20 calls, but the outcome would be like 10 people actually responded and you were able to get extract needs from that, that we can do something with that information. Is that kind of, yeah. So, yeah. And, and to make you accountable. Mm -hmm. Cause I could say, yeah, I made the 20 calls. Okay. Right. What does 20 calls mean to you? Yeah. Well, 20 calls mean to you made me, I called, mm -hmm. no one answered and I just hung up, but I made the call. Right. Right. Check off the list. So, yeah. Check off the list. If I'm just, if I'm just doing a task, right. check off the list. No, we, we don't want you to do a task. We want you to make communication. So, so then you can define what the communication is. So the communication be base level. I left a voicemail, you know, base level. I sent a text message out. Um, you know, the next level is I, I call, left a voicemail, asked them to call me back. They call back and we talked, you know, yeah. you've got to have these different, and when we talk, everything's fine. They're doing really good. They have no needs. Um, but we, we want to know where they're at because it may be they talking to them. And this has happened before in conversations. How are you doing, Jamie? Now I'm doing phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Cool, man. That's really good. How has things impacting you? You guys really doing well? And this is where discernment comes. Yeah, man, we're just doing, we're just doing amazing. 
And so we keep chatting and, you know, you feel like, yeah. So you're sure, man, you're sure that everything is really good. Right. And then after 20 minutes, sometimes you could be like, well, to be honest with you, you know, I, I, I lost my job this week. And so yeah. trusting God to yeah. trusting God for, for a meal this weekend, you know, mm-hmm. and then we, man, we want to help you. You know, we want to, then we can mobilize our team. So sometimes it takes a little bit of digging. So if all I'm doing is making the call, ticking the box and not knowing you, then I haven't really partially cared for you. No, that's good. And, you know, I agree with the, maybe not too many new ideas have emerged and there might be some that we hear about along the way, but really establishing the foundation and fine tuning some things. We've probably said, okay, we, we can't do all these things now, but we can really focus on these things well. And that's what probably people have done. And, and, you know, there's a lot of unity efforts that have been happening to your point. It should have been already happening that these pastors should have been talking and interacting and doing those things. But this crisis has brought us together. And I am thinking through what you're sharing and how do we make that sustainable and not just a moment in time based on the circumstances we're in. Yeah. And I think a couple of other innovative things that people have done is, you know, they do their church broadcast and then they open up Zoom chat rooms Mm -hmm. for like an after party, after service. And they have different leaders' names that are on the list that people can click on and go to the Zoom party. Um, If there are churches that are watching this that are broadcasting, then I'd probably suggest, uh, from, from what I know, there may be better platforms but going to the church online platform, uh, the church online platform comes out of life church and that just gives a better interactive feel than YouTube or, or Facebook, mm-hmm. you know, the regular broadcast. And then on that, you can have your prayer rooms where people go for private prayer and you can have people communicating online and then you can set up, okay, click here to go to pastor Jamie's after party, click here to go to pastor John's after party. And then people can go there. It's sort of like it's more like hanging out in the lobby. Yeah, yeah. After church, you get to talk to people and spend some time with people, and uh, so th- th- that's a fairly innovative uh, idea. There seems to be a lot more, and depends on the community you're in, of the local government asking for the church's help. Right. So we're finding ways that we can be helpful to our community. That's um, yeah, and that's that's innovative. Being able to do that. So beyond just our congregation, how do we actually begin to help our city or help our officials in this time. So that, I think that's a brilliant idea. Now, and maybe, uh, even, maybe even thinking about, sorry to butt in, but maybe even thinking about how you do leadership in this session. So mm-hmm. like in normal, it's we break our teams out. <clears throat> we've got an ushers team, we've got a greeters team. <clears throat> Excuse me, we've got a team doing communion. Well, you don't need all those people now. So maybe just bring your team in. Okay, we're gonna do communications and we're gonna do care. Right and mobilizing all those people that were normally volunteering into one of those volunteer pools yep. Yep. And, and some life group leaders. So you don't want to lose your volunteer base in the season. You want to keep your volunteer base high, yep. but you have to take the people that were volunteering, doing security, yep. following you know, people around at church. Maybe those people right now can be running a connect group or they can be making some phone calls, but you want to keep your leadership, your volunteer base strong. Right. So you're, we're simplifying, but we're strengthening what we're simplifying. But I will tell you this, I had a guy who they, they posted up a picture uh, for a family that was watching on Sunday. And he was an online armor bearer. He was standing right next to his TV as he watched me there, making sure none of his kids 
touch the TV as I was talking. <laughs> it was so hilarious. I was like, are you kidding me? It's so funny. Dressed up and everything. That's cool. So, um, but th this is something that's a little bit more sobering. But I wanted to ask this question is that what type of churches or organizations do you believe are not going to be able to recover or won't recover from this? Um, that's a really good, I've not really given any, any thought. I would, I would presume it depends on how long we are in shelter in place, mm -hmm. how long this goes. Um, I would presume if it's a, uh, an more older church with an older congregation, if they lose people to this virus, you know, that could, that could have a significant impact on, on churches or churches who had older pastors. There was a, Anna showed me yesterday, I, I can't remember what denomination, so I won't say it because I, I probably get it wrong. But there was some, they, they had a photo of like 10 bishops or 10 pastors that had all died of COVID-19. Wow. And so obviously those churches um, will be impacted. I don't know about churches not surviving. Maybe if a church wasn't good financially and they're in financial difficulty and they have no way to access any, you know, immediate income and they can't pay their bills. But, but probably a church is not going to survive would be the church, the pastor, that's just not doing anything practical. Yeah. Anybody who kind of freezes up during this time or they were almost working, they were it was week to week for them. It was never like they had a storehouse of stuff. That's what I would imagine. Yeah. Or, and, and that would be perfect. Or the guy that's just like, you know, um, I'm going to do nothing. God's going to do everything. Hmm. Yeah. Which is not how God operates. Right. So, so the guy that, so, you know, so somebody who's like, okay, I've got these financial difficulties, um, but they haven't called the bank mm -hmm. and they haven't said to the bank, Hey, can we, can we refinance our loan? Mm -hmm. So I've encouraged a couple of guys to do this. And uh, one of my friends, he went to the bank and they renegotiated their loan and they didn't drop the interest rate. But what they did was they said, we will defer all payments for the next um, uh, 90 days. Mm -hmm. And then the bank was going to give them an extra $350,000 um, capital operating. They, they could attach and use if they needed it. And then they would just attach that to the end of the mortgage. And so in that meeting, we decided, let's not take the loan. Let's not, let's not go further into debt. But why don't we go back to the bank and say, the, the, the three months deferral is great. What we prefer, rather than taking more money and more debt, is the potential to get a, a fourth month. Is there, is there a potential that we could go four months right. where we're not paying a mortgage? So four months of no mortgage, let's call that mortgage $100,000 a month. That's a little high, but let's just call it. So that's, that's $400,000 that they don't have to spend hmm. in the next four months that they would normally have to. That can be, that's almost like a bump in their giving right. of $100,000 a month. So being smart like that, if, you are, if you're in financial stress, go to the bank, call the bank. We need help. We need uh we need some mortgage forgiveness or try to extend it out for our payments. Uh, maybe, maybe as a staff, and I'm presuming churches like this would be smaller, but if it was a staff of 10 people, if everybody said, look, we'll sacrifice $100 a week of our income, uh, that's $4,000 a month mm -hmm. that you could help sustain the life of the church. 
church. Talk to the people that have never given mm. and ask them if you look, if you've never given, if you've never contributed, this is a great time to start. And as a community, everyone's stepping up and doing things that they wouldn't normally do because, you know, that's what crisis does, brings everybody together. So if you've never given, if you've never considered, maybe you could start. And then I, 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 in those scenarios, I always give people a, a, a suggestion because it just eliminates any speculation. So maybe if you've never given, maybe $10 would be a great way to start. Maybe $50 would be a great way to start, but just start somewhere rather than trying to get them to jump from never given to tithing. Got you. That's probably not going to happen in crisis. Hmm. So then those people that are faithfully giving and consistently giving, but you've lost your job, and you're struggling right now, then do what you can. Just do what you can do, but let us know you're struggling so we can pray for you, we can help you, we can support you, and then go into faith and ask God to pour out uh, the blessings of heaven so you can't contain it. God's still your supplier. And then the third people are people that are, are givers, they're generous, but you've got, you know, you're, situ you're well situated and maybe you're getting more work than ever before or, you know, this is not a financial issue for you. Maybe you can help pick up the slack. That's great. Of the people that can't give at the moment like they normally would give, not because they're not faithful, but just because they're being stretched. Mm. So I think if you can help everybody rally in around the burden, um, you know, then you can continue to lift your offerings. No, that's a great idea. Wow. Good advice for those who are wondering how they can tactfully and tastefully be able to invite people in to being generous during this time. Now, last or, so, so, like, one, one other thought on that too is then you can also go to, um, if you're really struggling, go to your 10 top givers, try to find out where your shortfall is. And let's just say your shortfall is $4,000 a month. Hmm. Go to your 10 top givers and say, hey, is there any way that you could um, lift your giving $100 a week for the next three months. Mm -hmm. and so it's a thousand dollars a week. It's $4,000 a month. You could catch a shortfall just by doing the math and then just going out and asking people, you know, what they can, what they can do. And if you've um, been in a scenario where your st staff have taken pay cuts or you've had to trim the fat, then you can let them know this is what we're doing. Can you come to the party and help us? Great idea. Yeah. So the last question that I have for you is what will be the top, three pieces of advice that you would give to church leaders. There's church leaders that might be listening to this. And uh, in this hour, I know you probably have a lot more than that, but maybe top three things that you would share with leaders to be doing in this time. Um, immediately, without any hesitation, I would say, uh, especially leaders in big cities, develop a grievance plan. Hmm. immediately like today so when when this hit and we were walking through that little process of should we still meet should we meet you know let's go online and then we went online and then we found out we weren't as good online as we thought we were so we tweaked it the next week and we were a little bit better but we still weren't as good as we were great and we we're a little bit long and should we do 10 services should we do three should we run a fight and we, we moved it around. So everyone's adjusted accordingly over a three-week period right. to, make, to make their broadcasting better. If, if you have, if, if and, and I pray it doesn't, 
but if we have the escalation in the United States that the government is predicting, which would be up to uh, 200,000 deaths in, in the next two weeks, that escalation is going to be devastating. That's why they're, that's why they're all saying brace. That's why the president's saying, I hope it doesn't get there. I pray it doesn't get there, but you need to brace. Because over the last week, people have been dying at around about a thousand people a day. Hmm. And so I think I didn't look at the figures this morning, but it was like close to 9,000, probably at 10,000 today. So from today to two weeks, for that, if that went to 200,000, which we pray it won't, that means that very few churches are not going to be impacted with somebody in their family grieving. Right. So if it got really bad in Philly around your area and you ended up with 10 people this week hmm. who had a grandma, a granddad, a mom, uh, my wife, Anna was talking to a girl online. Uh, she actually called, called her on the phone, but she connected online on our broadcast whose dad just passed of coronavirus and her mother's in intensive care wow. with coronavirus. So when, when those tragedies hit close to home, you won't have two or three weeks to work this out. Hmm. You won't be able to scramble. Just say, just say you had 30 families in your church this week. It's not a prophecy. This is a right. you know, worst yeah, case scenario. We're, yeah. we're believing this is not going to happen. Yeah. But, but 30 people that were touched, grandma, granddad, auntie, wife, husband, child, or whatever, that had been impacted by this, this week. You, you need to answer that question immediately. Mm. Like you don't have two or three weeks to scramble. You want to have a, this is how we're doing funerals. This is a funeral home. This is a grief counselor that we can connect you to. This is how we're going to gather around you as a family. This is, these are the people that we need to put in place that can, you know, talk and help. You want to have those counselors and those teams already engaged that if you need to hit the button, even if it's just one family, yeah. you, you want to be able to respond immediately. You don't want to be humming and hurry because it's not like a normal scenario. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, you know, in Chicago at the moment uh, where it's tougher and again, where the plan needs to, uh, be in place uh, because it may not. Um, so to say, to say my dad passes in Chicago tomorrow, which he won't because he's already passed and he's in, was in Australia, but to say my dad passed tomorrow, then the way it is at the moment, we can't even access his body until the medical examiner has gone in. So it could be like three or four weeks away wow. before we have any even access so that may waylay the funeral, but it doesn't waylay the grieving. Right. And so we've got to help that family walk that process. You need to have some action things in, in, in place. That's good. Um, that would be, to me, that's the most important thing that anybody can do right now is to think that through. And it's a horrible thing to talk about. It's a horrible thing to think about. I'm not normally, that's not normally my DNA. I want to talk about, you know, happy mm -hmm. stuff, but. Um, I think that we need to have, and, and, and hopefully, God willing, um, that we'll never have to use that. It'll never have to be in, but, yep. but you don't want to, it's better to have it, not use it right. than to need it and not have it. Right. I, I would say that. And then I think with the, the pastor is keeping 
uh, their leadership team up and making sure that they're following up on their on their key team members and how they're doing, how they're doing at isolation and you know, being at home and leading the way in joy, leading the way in peace, mm-hmm. uh, leading the way in faith. They, they don't want to be talking about how hard it is and this is difficult and, you know, right. uh, you've got, you got to get your head around. This is, this is more inconvenient yeah. than, than difficult. Right. But the shelter in place thing is inconvenient. Right. But it's not really, right. per, it's not persecution. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I have a friend of mine in Australia who has motor neurons disease, ALS, you call it Lou, Lou Gehrig's disease. Mm-hmm. He was diagnosed seven years ago. So he has this no cure. He's already defied the odds. They told him four years ago he'd be dead. So he's wow. defied that by four years. It's still strong. Um, but the thing that keeps me focused on my life is great is I just always have to reflect about him and say, you know, in three weeks time, this shelter in place will be over. Right. He'll still have motor neurons disease. Right. There's people in hospital today with cancer. There's people who have just been diagnosed with leukemia. There are people that are going through absolute abject poverty and mm. pain whose, whose life didn't go on pause right. with the pain once we went into shelter in place. Right. And we just allow those, you know, we allow the, those like mind monsters, those demons to get into our head. And this is hard. This is, I can't go out. And, you know, as a leader, you, you got to lead the way on, you know, we can get close to the God. We can read our scriptures. We can, you know, we can be on, on, online talking to people and we can connect like this through, you know, zoom calls or, um, our family, my mother-in-law, father-in-law, my brother-in-law, my wife and I, we got on house party, right. house party app. Yeah, we just and got games. Mm-hmm. You, you done the games in there? No, not yet. But yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, it's fun. So we, we, we spent two hours the other night, you know, and, and my brother was in San Francisco. My parents on the other side of town, parents-in-law on the other side of town. We all just gathered. Um, and it was a fun, you know, couple of hours together that we, so just make the best out of it. I think by the, you know, that pastors have got to lead the way. Yeah. And do you have one more besides that? So the grievance plan and the, the second is uh, what you just shared. And do you have something I would just say, ask for help. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you need, um, if you need help to ask for help, there are, there are plenty of people around connected to, you know, you've asked me to do an offering. Um, other people have asked, I preached for a guy in Canada this weekend and recorded a message for him preached in Canada. I've done some, I did I, the offering at city church, Chicago this weekend and recorded that. We've done some Zoom calls. I'm I'm actually setting up uh, in this next couple of days to uh, work with youth pastors and make sure that the youth ministries are doing their job really well and are uh, really thinking through what they're doing at the moment. So we do some Zoom calls of hosting with youth pastors, you know, getting connected. So I'd say reach out to some leaders, reach out to people like you if they're a part of your network. Then you could do a you could do a staff meeting mm-hmm. for their staff. Yep. You know, and you could do a staff meeting a day for you know five different churches. You could do a couple a day. So if you've got people that are connected with you and that are man, we just really need some input. It's the Zoom call is an easy, is an easy fix, and you can be in their staff meeting, 
uh, helping stuff and downloading and encouraging. Yeah. So ask for help if you need it. Don't, don't, uh, don't hide behind the fact that, you know, there's no one out here. I'm all alone. Right. Yeah. If we, we look at the limitations, then we overlook the opportunity and what you have been sharing is just the opportunity and to be very conscientious of all the different dynamics that could happen. And so be very strategic about this, especially during this time. So really appreciate that, John, all that you shared. I think a lot of value was added to people that listen to this. I, I'm sure the wheels are turning. And, uh, and if I wasn't talking to you, I'd be taking notes. So I'm just hoping that I'll review this and take a couple of notes because you always have a, a great perspective to share. 